Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Wednesday morning. We've got all of Tuesday's NBA action from the Orlando bubble at the Walt Disney World Resort. I'm Zach Harper. That's Dave DeFour. Andrew Schleck is trying to shave Gordon Hayward's awful mustache. That's probably what he got a technical foul for tonight. Reminder, you can get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, 40% off the regular price by going to The Athletic. Dot com slash daily ding get all the best from our team of writers that's like $2.99 a month you can't afford not to do it also once you're a subscriber use the comment section on the app let us know how we're doing on the podcast coming up on today's show Devin Booker plays the hero Jaron Jackson Jr. gets some bad news and Miami keeps the heat turned up on the Eastern Conference see what I did there Dave that's called a pun but first the West is constipated and that's a good thing Oh, man. Blazers, 110. Rockets, 102. Blazers going bully ball because they got Mello. They got Hassan Whiteside. They got Yusuf Nurkic. They got Zach Collins. And the Rockets got six foot eight. That's what they got. They got good six foot eight, but they got six foot eight. And so this felt like if the Blazers lost this game, we were going to get a Hassan Whiteside complaint of I'm not getting the ball enough on this team. Right. But they pull it out, Dave. Yusuf Nurkic was ridiculous in this one. James Harden got into foul trouble. Russell Westbrook missed a bunch of free throws. Uh, But this was just a fun game. And the Blazers have been really good with a tough schedule so far in this restart. Yeah, absolutely. You can see the difference on both ends. Just by getting Yusuf Nurkic back, you know, 18 points tonight. He had 30 the other night. Their offense is a little bit more diverse, although I do think late in this game they kind of went too much ISO. But early on, much more diverse offense. They are able to have him facilitate from the elbow, from the post. You know, they Houston was doubling him, which they have to because it's a team full of basketball midgets, and he's you know seven foot one. So as soon as the double comes, he calmly and patiently finds the shooter because he's not pressured by all these short guys. And I think that this is what the Blazers missed all year when their offense would get stagnant. They didn't have someone that allowed Damian Lillard to get off the basketball, and now they have that. And guess what? They're playing better basketball. Surprise. Right, and, and this is interesting too because right, like the the Rockets are a team full of perimeter. Like that's what they do. They mm-hmm. they say, hey, we may not shoot the three well, but we're gonna hit enough of them. Right? We're going to hit enough of them in the game because yeah. we're going to shoot so many and the math is going to work out for us. And the Blazers don't have wing guys. Like they have Gary Trent Jr., who's a nice wing player, but he's like also like 6'3, right? Yeah. Like he's not he's not that tall. So you're asking him to deal with someone like a like a James Harden or someone like a, a Russell Westbrook, or even like in the post against Daniel House, in the post against Robert Covington, or having to switch on PJ Tucker, guys who are just bigger and stronger than him. And they got Mello and they got Dame and CJ. Like they don't have those perimeter defenders, and yet they did a pretty good job in this game keeping up with the perimeter. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you didn't even mention that they don't have Trevor Ariza, who really was the, the difference in their defense once they, they added him this season. You know, he opted out of the bubble, and they're, they're just scrambling to make up for it. And somehow they're patching it together. You mentioned Gary Trent. He's been on fire in the bubble. I mean, he had another 16 points tonight, was 4 of 9 from 3. Uh, you know, he he's up there with T.J. Warren for the top performers, or at least surprise performers so far. And... Got to say, Carmelo holding his own defensively. He's at least, you know, hanging in there. Maybe he's not doing a ton of defensive playmaking, but he's not losing ground. And that's been hugely important for them. You know, you talk about the Rockets wanting to shoot threes. They shot 53 in this game. They shot 61 the other night. I I do think there's a certain point where they start shooting themselves out of games, though. You know, at the end of this game, the Blazers were happy to watch James Harden jack up 
step back threes. I mean, that's yeah, that's they, like a good look for them. Yeah, I mean, there was one where I think Dame flopped a little bit, left and wide open. He still seemed enough out of rhythm or he just missed or whatever. But the Rockets, you know, they they were kind of allowing the trap to come, I thought. Which which mm-hmm. they do. They do that from time to time because James Harden will move the ball, uh, despite what Giannis might say to Charles Barkley, just to have a little fun on a <laughs> on a draft for the All-Star game, right? But uh, but he will move the ball. And, and I thought it was interesting that the Blazers kept trapping. The Blazers kept swarming him. He didn't get to the free throw line because of it. You know, only only seven free throw attempts. He also was in foul trouble. He had five fouls uh, in the third quarter, but um, didn't get to the free throw line. He also didn't turn the ball over a whole lot. But I, you never really saw James Harden kind of put his stamp on this game. There was even a play late where he looked out of ri- he looked out of rhythm enough that he was kind of dribbling. He he just lost the ball against Carmelo. Carmelo just took it from him. Yeah. I mean, you know, Daniel House and Jeff Green combined to go nine of 19 from three. You're not going to get that very often. And this is a game they lost. Yeah. They were getting good looks. They just weren't sticking them. This is late, you know, fourth quarter. I I do think that there's more to the Houston offense than what we're seeing right now. Russell Westbrook, clearly not completely, you know, at game speed. You know, he only had 15 points tonight. Looked kind of rough at times, although... He was moving the ball well himself. So I, I think that they've got a little bit more dynamism that they can add to their offense. But, you know, at a certain point, and I hate to sound like Charles Barkley on this, <laughs> but at a certain point, man, you got to try to get to the hoop, especially late in the games. And and when you've got a guy who can draw fouls at the rate that James Harden does, I mean, we saw good stuff happens when he goes to the basket, when he baits guys into reaching when he's in the paint, you know, like he gets to the line. And I, as much as I hate all the flopping, especially as bad and egregious as it's been in the bubble, I, I just think like, it's winning basketball for them. So put it on the floor, put Put your head down. Try to get to the hoop. So I like I like that you said that because I had this note during the game as I'm watching. I'm like, the Rockets need to flop on rebounds. Yes. Like they need to flop more on rebounds because they got hammered on the boards, right? Like they lost by 25 rebounds, I think, tonight for mm-hmm. the rebounding battle. And that's expected because the Blazers are a big team. They've got good rebounders. And the Rockets have committed to, to be in the pocket Rockets. I think that's what Houston Twitter has deemed them. Um, and so... And so we we have we have them getting bullied on the boards, but I was watching. I'm like, oh, Russ should have flopped there. Oh, Harden should have flopped there. Covington needs to flop there. Like, I really think they need to try to get those cheap ones. And people complain or whatever. Who cares? If you win the game, you win the game. I actually like would like to see a little bit more of that from them. Yeah, they got their first offensive rebound in this game, like four minutes into the third quarter. It almost so, seemed like an accident. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and, and I mean, they're not going to re- out-rebound a lot of teams. As a matter of fact, like one of the notes that I had coming into the bubble was, how do they make up for the lack of rebounding? Well, you've got to defend. And I thought they did a pretty good job tonight defending. Uh, James Harden is going to be changing a lot of people's minds if they're watching these games because he's he's in a position to succeed now. He's playing a lot more in the front court rather rather than playing up top, uh, yeah. guarding Nurkic really well tonight. I mean, again, the, the plan was have a guy on him, double, force the ball out of out of Nurkic's hands and, and make those guys hit shots, which they did. But I, I think defensively they were they were fairly sound. But you just can't lose on the boards by 25 rebounds. It, it It's just not a winning formula. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and you know, you mentioned Nurkic. Nurkic was a monster. Even, like, I thought Hassan Whiteside was excellent. I thought he played a really controlled game. He didn't play that much, 17 minutes, but he had 9-7. and seven. I, You know, didn't turn the mm-hmm. ball over. Uh, I thought he was solid defensively. Like, they didn't really take advantage of him um, with him out there. And, and the Blazers did a good job almost of hiding their center <laughs> defensively, which, yeah. which you kind of have to do, especially against this Rockets team. 
it's a bad loss for the Rockets in terms of like whatever a bad loss in the bubble is, right? Just because you hold Dame and CJ to 41 combined points on 37 shots. You got to win that game. Absolutely. And, Plenty and of reasons got- why they didn't, but you got to, I just think you got to win that game. And, you know, Russ, like you said, moved the ball. Uh, he had a little bit of explosiveness, but not, still not the same Russ that we're used to seeing. But he went, what, 5 of 12 from the free throw line? Like they just. It seemed like they just kept shooting themselves in the foot, and that was the only thing they could hit in the fourth quarter. All right, Dave, let's go to the news and the seeding updates for what's going on in the bubble in Orlando. Bad news for the Memphis Grizzlies. Not only are they 0-3 to start this restart out, but Jaron Jackson, torn meniscus, he is out for the rest of the season per Grizzlies PR. They've just been a disaster this season, this restart when he's not on the floor. Obviously, I, I actually don't think it's crazy to say that Jaron Jackson Jr. is their best player right now yeah. um, before the injury, and that's knowing that John Morant is really damn good, but he he's just that glue guy defensively he's a star defensively and a glue guy defensively which is which is rare and then offensively he's really starting to show out and this is just it's just bad news yeah it's a bummer I mean listen when anyone gets injured you hate it but especially a young guy actually playing for the playoffs you know it just makes it a little bit worse and you talked about how they fall apart without him on the court well Keith Parrish friend of the program fast break breakfast podcast uh, he gave me a stat the Grizzlies are minus 29.9 in net rating when when Jaron Jackson Jr. is not on the floor in the bubble. And Zach, I don't think that that's good. Usually if you lose by 30, you're the Knicks. Yeah. So no, that's uh that's not that's not a good thing. And so I don't want to be dramatic here, Dave, but are we sure the Grizzlies are going to get to the play-in tournament? I mean, they've got a one and a half game lead on on the Blazers now, two games ahead of the Spurs. Uh, they have to be in the eight or nine spot to get to the play in. I don't think it's going to happen. They're zero and three, five games to go, and I know like the math is probably on their side, but the basketball is not. You lose your best player. I'm sorry. I just can't. I cannot believe that you're going to do anything. Yeah, and, and it, again, it's a small sample because it's only three games, but like they've been brutal in the in clutch moments. Right? They can't stop mm-hmm. anybody. They can't make shots. They're turning the ball over in the clutch. Their schedule. For the next five games, which is the last five games of this restart, play the Jazz, they play the Thunder, they play the Raptors, they play the Celtics, and they play the Bucks. Now the Bucks may not be trying that game, right? Because it's the last game of the of their of their restart, and they have nothing to play for at this point. But all those other teams could have stuff to play for, and they're really good even when they have the reserves in. Like this is the Grizzlies might be lucky to come away with two wins out of this thing. If they only if they only go two and six in this restart, I don't know that they're going to be able to stay ahead of the Blazers or the Spurs or the Suns or the Pelicans like I the Kings I feel confident they'll stay they'll stay ahead of but everyone else is in the mix yeah as it gets later you know some of these teams are going to start running into opponents that are thinking about the playoff matchups or just checked out completely and you know what I got five words to tell you how I feel about the Memphis Grizzlies remaining five games a lot more Dylan Brooks that's depressing because he's made some just truly awful, <laughs> awful mistakes. But good aging because he's making like 11 million plus over the next three seasons uh, each season. Uh, Blazers, as you mentioned, one and a half back in Memphis. Spurs are two back. Pelicans, two and a half back. The Suns, three back. We'll get to them in a minute. And the Kings are three and a half back as the Kings continue to slide. Also, off that Rockets loss to the Blazers, they are now tied with the Jazz for fourth. That's, uh, that's good news for the Rockets, right? I mean, they have the tiebreaker. That's I important. Th- I, I think they want the Jazz. Oh, for sure. They want the Jazz. Absolutely. They, they've owned them the last couple of playoffs. They want the Jazz. So I think they, they'll stay right there if they can. Is there any chance that the Jazz kind of want the Rockets? 
Nope. Not the way they're playing, because they cannot shoot threes right now. <laughs> oh, no. Dave, let's get to the other big TNT game from Tuesday night. Heat 112, Celtics 106. Jimmy Butler out with a sore ankle. This is essentially Bam Adebayo against the Celtics small center. That's what we've talked about all season long with the Celtics. Yes, they're good, but who plays inside? Well, it's going to be tough when they have to go against someone like Bam Adebayo, who was ridiculous in this game. You know, Daniel Tice had a really good season, but the entire Celtics team is just you know, a full step behind on their defensive rotations. And when you don't have size that can erase those mistakes, you just compound the mistakes. And they got hammered for them. You know, Bam had a fantastic game, 21 points, 12 rebounds, shot 18 free throws. Like, he just lived at the line tonight. And that is an indicator that your defense is awful. (laughs) You know, you send the guys to the line that much, your defense is behind. And, And clearly it was in this game. And Bam only had two assists. But his playmaking was fantastic. He actually had a lot of hockey assists, which, you know, we don't count as a real stat, but it shows that the Heat's ball movement was actually destroying the Celtics defense. And as we know, for those listening at home, hockey assist is just the word assist with a U misplaced in there because it's Canada, right? That's how that works. I think that's how that works. Uh, no, that was no good. <laughs> no, We're in on no. the extra U. Oh, I'm get in on an extra U. Add the oh, U's. Get out of here. Proper lack spelling. Of, lack of efficiency. No one says flavour. All right. Um, on our. On our. <laughs> on our right. <laughs> this. Is, so everyone talks about how Nick Nurse is so innovative and creative defensively, and how the Raptors play so much zone defense, and they do. Right? They do. They play the second most mm-hmm. in the league. You know who plays the first? Miami Heat. You know who plays it great? Miami Heat. Miami Heat under Eric Spolster, they have gone to zone, I believe, like 12% of their possessions uh, this season defensively, which is an enormous amount because you're usually like maybe 4 or 5% of the most when it comes to the highest teams that use zone. But they've gone to it 12% this year. They went to it in this game, and the Celtics just didn't have an answer. No, they just weren't hitting the shots when when the Heat were zoned up, and they couldn't get to the basket. And, and again, like this is just – it's another thing where I think the Celtics' offense – hasn't caught up yet, you know, and it was one of my my points coming into the bubble. I was worried about teams like the Celtics with the more egalitarian offense where the ball needs to move. You know, they are at their best where that ball when that ball is popping and a lot of guys are touching it. And I just think that, you know, if a couple of guys are a step behind and, you know, that Kemba Walker has been injured, Marcus Smart had huge foul trouble in this, actually fouled out uh, in only 15 minutes. Uh, Jared Weiss let me know that that is the fastest he's ever fouled out in a game by by seven minutes. Ooh. So, yeah, so their guys are just out of whack and and their offense is struggling because of it. And, and so if you don't get outlier performances or, or, you know, a fantastic game from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, their offense just it isn't enough. And so the Heat capitalized on that. Felt like tonight they played like 40 percent of the defense defensive possessions in zone. But the truth is their defense, even when they weren't zoned up, was just hell for the Celtics. Yeah, and without Jimmy Butler, I mean, it's just it's just a big win, man. I, I even for mm-hmm. the bubble, even when they're not fully played, like I think this, I think the Heat are, are fine, right? Like I'm not really worried, even though the Pacers have been great so far. I'm not worried about the Pacers catching them. I'm certainly not worried about the Sixers catching them. Um, but like the Heat, like I think it's just good that they can build wins like this, no matter who's on the court, because that's like the whole Heat culture thing, right? Like that's just what they do. They're on a back to back, although it's a weird back to back, Dave, because they played it like one yesterday. 
Yeah. Right? It, like, so they, they had like they a day and a half. Yeah. They had like a day and a half, but it's still a back to back. Um, and so, you know, the, it didn't hurt them down the stretch. They were fine. Duncan Robinson, once again, great shooter, right? Yeah. Maybe the best shooter, not, not as a splash brother in the NBA. He was fantastic. 21 points. Dragic came off the, off the bench and dropped 20. Did sprain his ankle though. I believe x-rays came back negative, but I'm never worried about the x-ray. I'm worried about the MRI. We got to stop giving the x-ray update. Yeah, because uh, there are some circumstances where a sprain is worse than a break. I I don't think that this is going to be one of those, Right. but you know, a a break, I mean, yeah, it's six weeks, but I feel like we know when his ankle's broken. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He limped off. I mean, it's good to see that he's okay. I'm just happy he survived all that flopping right i mean you know that, that flopping will get you that's that's a dangerous thing to do it's not easy you gotta there's technique there's form to flopping um, let, let me ask you let me ask you yeah. because i think what goron has done off the bench has been fantastic for them all season but in particular in the bubble and, and we have to start thinking about the playoffs and playoff rotations you know kendrick nine only played 16 minutes in this game he's pretty much been non-existent in orlando i mean he he might as well still be in miami it, it, do you can you envision them moving Dragic into the starting lineup, or do you think they like having him come off the bench so they know they have that creator, and then they're just closing games with him? Do you think they're going to stick with that? Yeah, I think he ends up being essentially like your Lou Williams, right? Um, your Manu Ginobili in that, like, yes, this dude is good enough to start on a lot of teams. Obviously, he's good enough to start on this team, and and usually scores, you know, and, and guys who can be high-volume scorers will, will start, but... They use him to balance that out. I think it's fine to like start the games with Kendrick Nunn, see if he has anything. If he doesn't early, you can kind of pull him. You can bring Goron in, and and he switches the pace so well for them. He he just he's so good side to side, moving the defense side to side within the half court. And for the Heat, for a team that shoots the three like the Heat do, having that guy to help balance things out, I think that's the right the right way for them to go. Although if they moved Goron into the starting lineup, I wouldn't think, oh, what's Eric Spolster doing? Yeah, I'm never going to second-guess Eric Spolstra, just on principle. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah, yeah. and Drogic um, is a free agent this offseason, just throwing yep. that out there. Yep, absolutely. By the way, there was a technical foul by Gordon Hayward in this game because he really— uh, look, he probably got fouled on the play, but he, he kept at it with the referee, and as we've seen in this so far, it's a quiet gym. Referees are not going to allow that to go. And then Ooh. Jason Tatum, I'm pretty sure, got a technical <laughs> foul for yelling at himself. <laughs> Uh, hilarious. It's the funniest technical since Tim Duncan got the technical for laughing on the bench. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he was just yelling at himself, I, but he got a technical I, foul, finished with 23 points. I'm not out on that. Listen, we need these guys to keep their self-esteem up. You know, those refs are j- just looking out for those guys. Absolutely. All right. The game winner. Is this the first game winner in the bubble? Devin yeah. Booker. Leads the Suns, 117-115. What is Evita Zubats doing? He grabs a rebound after they force Ricky Rubio into some weird-ass runner. He grabs the rebound. He doesn't clear it. Uh, Mikael Bridges comes and, and tips the pass that was going to Paul George. Suns recover. They get it to, to Devin Booker. The Clippers do not get the ball out of Booker's hands. They send Zubats to run and double him. I don't know what side he thought Devin Booker was going to, like maybe he thought Devin (laughs) Booker was going to dribble into the backcourt. I don't know what he thought he was going to do, but that was the worst run out double. It's the exact opposite of when Andre Iguodala ran uh, during the NBA finals, right? It's it's just an atrocious decision. Booker gets there. Paul George cuts him off. He gets there, uh, gets to a spot, turns around, knocks it down, takes a nap, celebrates with his teammates. There's a screenshot I posted on Twitter of the virtual fan freaking out uh, in the 
moment as he's releasing the shot. It's just an amazing, amazing visual. And Devin Booker, man, he came up huge. The Suns are now 3-0 and in the bubble, as we mentioned earlier. Only a few games back. They're like three games back of the, of the Grizzlies right now. And this is, look, they've had back-to-back 117-115 wins against playoff teams in the West. They beat the Mavericks. They beat the Clippers. It's a fun win. Listen, before we started, I said, hey, I think the Suns are good. They're not. They're not. Okay. They're not. I will accept that. But they they're are not least, good, but they're fun. They are fun. And that's and a I, big step up. I personally think if you can't be good, you might as well be fun. Devin Booker is showing that he is one of the like top 25 guys in the league. He put up 35 points on the Clippers, who are you know favorites to get out of the West. It's insane. And they got a lot of perimeter dudes that can defend. Well, like that's, here, a, that's a tough 35. Here's a question for you. If Paul George isn't the guy defending that shot, does Devin Booker even make it? I just feel like Paul George is now a magnet for game winners. Yeah, like I like that he's willing to defend the like he's always willing to defend that guy, but he gets his eye dotted a lot. A lot. A lot. And this and this was a fadeaway. I mean, it's just a super tough shot. And and you gotta just tip your cap to Devin Booker. But I want to focus on something else with Booker. Eight assists again. This guy averaged six for the season. His playmaking has just continued to grow. And I think that, you know, the one thing, whether they make the playoffs or not in the bubble, I do think that Phoenix is going to leave the bubble feeling better about Booker as as a future lead playmaker for this team. So if they lose Rubio, you know, maybe this is the guy who who can you know, he can do everything for you. Maybe they can build this little heliocentric offense around Booker. I, I think they're learning a lot about their team. And Monty Williams clearly has cleaned that culture up, man. These guys yeah. are fighting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do think the Suns are building actual momentum towards next season, right? I still don't think they're good. Uh, they've been fun so mm-hmm. far. They still have a brutal schedule. But I, I think they're. I think you can legitimately build momentum towards next season as a unit, especially since it's going to be such a quick turnaround, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. I do think that there, there's something good kind of brewing here. And maybe that's the benefit, what you mentioned with, with Booker and the playmaking, that they couldn't find a point guard for him, you know, put next to him until <laughs> right. Rubio came aboard. And then... And that forced him to be a playmaker, and he's a he's a pretty good playmaker. Yeah, he's good, and he's and that threat to score at every level. He's great around the basket. He can hit the mid range, and clearly is a three point bomber. I like he's a fifty forty ninety guy waiting to happen. I mean, this year yeah. he was ninety one percent from the free throw line, fifty four percent from two, and thirty six percent from three. With a lot of those being off the dribble. So, I mean, clearly this guy is also one of the best shooters in the game. There's it's it's time for us to recognize that Devin Booker is probably one of the six or seven best scorers in the league, just with the yeah, way he can, he can do it. Yeah, he can, he can really put them up. And, and yeah. yeah, like and not just like a 50-40-90 guy waiting, like 50-40-90 guy on like a 27 points per game, right? Like he's going to be right. that kind of efficient and that kind of high volume. Like you mentioned, 35-8 and eight in this one. Aiden had 19 points, seven rebounds. Uh, Lou Williams, first game since the quarantine and the chicken wings and Magic City and all that good stuff. 21 minutes, 7 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. Now, I know the Clippers don't take a lot of this stuff seriously, Dave, before the playoffs. But is there going to be a point where we worry about these performances? Because, yes, they lost to the Suns and maybe they're not taking this care, you know, seriously. But Kawhi played 37 minutes. Paul George played 36 and they lost to the Suns. Um, you're going to have games like this, and they were clearly trying to win. I don't, I don't care what Doc oh, absolutely. says. Absolutely, yeah. They were trying to win this game. Kawhi's not playing 37 minutes unless you're trying to win. I, right. I will point to a few stats here. A little bit of an outlier performance. The Suns went 17 of 32 from three. I mean, just blistering. The Clippers were 8 of 29. So 
I mean, it's a make-or-miss league, and this is an example of that. The, the Suns hit shots, but I will say that the process for the Suns was good. They yes. hit the shots that they needed to hit, and the Clippers didn't. And I think that you know when the when the lights start to shine a little bit brighter, we'll learn a lot more about the Clippers than we can tell from this game. You know, if if they have these performances once we get into the second round of the playoffs, well, then I'll start to get really concerned because clearly they freaked out a little bit here at the end of this game. Yeah, I mean, Zubat's a couple of really bad decisions in a game that they should have won. Other games from the bubble on Tuesday, Nets beat the Bucks 119-116, but Mike Budenholzer basically pulled the starters after like 16 minutes of action. That net, Nets win uh, pretty much eliminates the Washington Wizards from anything, but they had kind of eliminated themselves. TJ Warren cannot be stopped. He dropped 32 points on 13-17 shooting as he continues his scoring assault on the bubble. He helped the Pacers beat the Magic 120-109. Pacers are 3-0 so far, and the Mavs finally got a bubble win. They take down the Kings. Kings 114-110 overtime loss. They are now uh, still winless in this restart. They're last in the bubble west. Luka Doncic, 34 points, 20 rebounds, and 12 assists. Big games coming up on Wednesday. Grizzlies face the Jazz. Grizzlies looking for their first win of the bubble, but as we mentioned earlier, no Jaron Jackson Jr. He's out with the torn meniscus, and the Thunder will go against the Lakers as Chris Paul and LeBron James test their friendship on the basketball court, Dave. Maybe they won't be friends after this one. Tune in to find out. (laughs) Basketball court's no place for friends. No place for friends at all. That's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. Of course, we have the Athletic NBA show. No dunks, doing phenomenal stuff every single day, every single night. Uh, we've got tampering. We've got hoops adjacent, point of contention, nerdish she wrote, uh, House of Strauss, all that stuff, plus the team-specific shows. Make sure you subscribe. You get notifications on the app for new episodes and utilize that podcast episode comment section. And again, theathletic.com slash daily ding. You get 40% off a one-year subscription. Thanks for waking up with us. Thanks for taking your medicine. Stay safe, wear a mask, and Dave, hit me with that sign. Ding, ding.